Did you take out the God at the beginning of the episode? I listened to last week's episode and it was like, damn it, really? Oh, no, I didn't mean to if I did. I thought maybe you were like, oh, being thoughtful for the people that have a hard time with God damn it. Oh, no, I love the God damn it. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm okay, you're okay. I'm not okay, you're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Here's the thing about the show starting with me saying, God damn it, is, and you deal with this a lot when you have kids my daughter's age and your daughter's age because they're starting to conversate a lot more and understand language. And it's just, you're, I feel like every day I'm teaching Nova something about how to communicate about language. And the thing about profanity and really any offensive word is it's all about the intention. And I think it's real clear the way that I'm saying the goddamn it really is really more in humor and jest and not in some sort of attempt to be blasphemous or irreverent of people's beliefs. Now, I think that I do that. I think I go hard in the paint on religion without using any profanity <laughs> sure. when I'm in the mood to be critical of that stuff. But when I'm saying GD because I'm laughing at something funny that you did, it doesn't have anything to do with my beliefs or lack of belief about God or anything. And I think most people understand that. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because when I'm playing shows, I like saying GD instead of goddamn. I've written some songs that have the word goddamn in it. And then now if I play those songs, I'll say GD. And then God is my friend, which I love that song because it's about me reconnecting to a God of my understanding as an adult. I never play that song because it talks about God's dick and also about Jesus doing cocaine. And that's too much for most religious people right. to hear that kind of talk. And so I just, I don't even do it. I don't even play it because I don't, because here's what I don't want to, I don't want to offend anybody. My job is to entertain people, make them laugh, maybe make them cry. But I'm not, I don't want to make anybody, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. Now, is that my job to take care of adult human beings' feelings? No, it's not. But I, it, I think about it and, you know, you know me, you've, you've known me for a long time and I've made some changes in terms of how I present myself on stage. I used to say a lot of things that I don't say anymore just because a very small number of people have a hard time with certain things. And so I don't, I don't say them. Yeah, I get it. I, I, I mean, I wonder how much of it, I mean, it's like anything in life. It's a combination of things, but I wonder how much of it is just you've changed. You've matured or moved on. I move on from things. If it, how much of it is just actually your internal world versus what you think people might think about what you're saying? Because there's things I've I've tightened some things up like since being in the podcast world for about six years now, and seeing people react to some of the stuff that I've said, trying to be funny or or some of my actual hot takes about politics or religion or I've I've reevaluated how I communicate some things based on like people getting upset well i'll tell you i listen to this podcast a lot just to see like if if it's funny or interesting to me and the the things 
you know, we've been doing how long have we been doing this? Three years now, two years, three years? Three, I think. So in the three years, the there's been a couple things that have made me cringe. And they're always with me. They're always when I'm trying to be funny. And it's usually at the expense of somebody else's beliefs, like their religious beliefs or their beliefs about abortion or whatever it is, something where I don't agree with this other view and then I'm trying to make fun of it. When I hear that on the podcast, I'm like, ugh, that's cringy. Because it's not, it's maybe it's in the moment it was funny or, but after it, afterwards, I just, it, I think too much about, I just don't, I don't like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that kind of person that doesn't take into consideration other people's feelings. And I know sometimes I'll get on a rant or I'll say some shit or I'll be on stage and I'll say something that I think is funny at the time. And I'm an artist and I'll fucking say what I want. I'll do what I want. But after the fact, I think about it and I go, ooh, I just, it just makes me cringe. I, it'll happen on stage sometimes where somebody will do something and I'll really fuck them up because they've like heckled me or interrupted a song or something and I'll really say something horrible to them to make them stop or make them cry. But then afterwards, I feel bad for the whole show. I can't yeah. stop thinking about it. And I don't think people understand that. They just go, oh, that dude's fucking ruthless. They don't understand. I'm thinking about it afterwards. Like it's affected me. I think people's relationship to the <laughs> entertainers in general is strange. It know? is. It is. There's so many facets of the Metallica podcast that I've learned. Some of these people tell me about like their suicidal ideation and stuff. They'll like DM me because they hear me talking of sort of um, cavalier open way every week about their favorite band. But also that podcast is really just about anything. And I have, I've had to tell these people like, I can't help you with that stuff. Like you are really misunderstanding this relationship or like people that were like accusing me of like supporting pedophilia. Cause I like Woody Allen movies or people who are offended by like a, a joke that I don't even remember saying or that you said. And then they want to argue with me about it. Or this new thing I'm noticing with some of the other podcast stuff is like any opinion that isn't shared, there's a group of people. It's really not even most of them, but there's a group of people that just, they want this blank check culture. Any opinion that's just kind of like rubs you or anything that's like what I would describe actually as interesting. There's just no muscle for it anymore. And someone will listen to a two-hour podcast of me and Ethan just riffing off the top of our heads, and there'll be like one 30-second thing where someone's all butthurt about it. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand this relationship. I don't even remember saying it. We're an entertainment podcast. We're trying to be interesting. We also do have some hot takes that aren't like necessarily funny, but you're listening to my show, dude. You're tuned in to my world. So... In some cases, I don't want to be responsible for what an audience might be thinking about something because I can't, I don't know. I don't know what they might be offended by. All I know is me. And if I can't keep my podcast interesting for me, then I'm done doing them, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of the death of it. It's the death of the entertainment that you love when you want to censor it or... 
I don't know, when you, when you want to make it small enough to fit into your world. Because I think a lot of people don't realize that lots of other people are listening to who may feel differently. And it's not even a uh, don't, it's not even like trying to shut down a conversation about it, but I have noticed this like really intense resistance to anything offensive. Instead of working through it and like being challenged by it, there's just this like obstinate, like a kid putting his fingers in his ears. Have you watched the Bill Burr special? On Netflix, you don't like Bill Burr, no, do you? I'm not a big. I like him in interviews. I don't really like his stand up. So I watched his new stand up, and man, he's gonna get just roasted. Well, what is it? I mean, why? Just I don't know. Just because he says stuff, he can't just say any. I mean, I don't know. The other thing I watched was the D- Dave Chappelle accepted some. They wanted to name a building after him at the some high school that he went to. And all these people that all these kids that go to school, they were like, "No, we don't want your name on the building because of his trans jokes and his last special mm-hmm. or whatever." Mm-hmm. And so he was like, "I don't want to name it after me. I want to call it the Freedom of Expression Wing or something like that." It was really smart. Mm. The guy's so smart, so so funny, so smart, so thoughtful. Comedians are definitely on the front line of everything I'm trying to talk about shittily. <laughs> I'm not doing a good job, but comedians are the ones really holding it down for sure. They are. I watched Ricky Gervais's new special and thought it's pretty good and he's getting shit about it too. Cause he has trans he has trans jokes also. But yeah. it's like and everyone's like, You're punching down on trans and why are you obsessed with trans? It's like, dude, comedians aren't obsessed with the trans issue. Society is. And comedians talk about what's happening in the world. I guarantee you that the reason that Dave Chappelle did all those trans jokes is because in the special before he made some, he made a little bit of a, he made a trans joke in that special, and he got so much shit for it. He was like, "Oh, you're gonna come after me? I'm a fucking comedian." He he came in, he got heckled, and he fucking went after the hecklers. It's what comedians do. Of course, he's going to come after the hecklers. Well, what did you think he was going to do? Just be like, make a statement and apologize for his social commentary? Well, it's so funny because after that, after after that, he got so much shit. And then he went on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I guess Jay-Z was getting inducted and he gave the, you know, gave the award to him or whatever that speech. And he comes out and he goes, hey, before I want to, before I start, I uh, just want to say one thing. Hey, I'm really sorry. Ah! just joking (laughs) Ah. well society wants to force comedians to grovel and to and they want to put a leash on comedians and if you're smart and you understand how important that shit like freedom of speech really only interfaces in a real way when it's someone who's saying something you disagree with well let me now tell you my lana del rey story i now have a lana del rey story oh i need to hear this story so we're playing at a the Palomino Music Festival in Pasadena, California. This is like a week ago, and I I didn't I hardly even look anymore at these festivals because we're so busy and I don't really care. I just want to get back on the bus and go to sleep. But whatever stage we were on, I knew that uh, Jason Isbell, who's friends of ours, they were headlining our stage, and it was cool. We got to see them. But there's a girl named Nikki Lane, who I don't know very well, but I know her from in town. Everyone, 
She's like an influencer type artist. I, I've heard some of her music. It's not really for me, but whatever. But she's friends with Jenny Lewis and the guy Josh Homey from Queens of the Stone Age is producing her new album. The singles are coming out. They're really good. She's friends with Lana Del Rey. So we're at the Rose Bowl. The festival's like not in the stadium. It's like it's kind of like in the park by the stadium. But the green rooms, the dressing rooms for each uh, artist were like the private boxes at the Rose Bowl. So you'd go into this room. Remind me to ask you a question in Secret Weekly about this. Keep going. Okay. So you go through a door and there's basically like a little kitchen area. You go through another door and you're in a, like a private out. It's outside, but you know, if you've been on a stadium, like where you're in like a booth, you can go outside and sit in the seats, but you're still kind of in a private area. I don't know how to, if I'm describing that well, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Well, uh, Morgan, the girl I work with, who's also a big Lana Del Rey fan. She was like, Hey, coming up the elevator to the green room. She was like, Lana Del Rey is here. She's like, Lana Del Rey is in the house. And, uh, I didn't know what to say to her. I wanted to, you know, everyone wants to be cool. No one wants to be a jerk. We should let every, we should let everybody know that you and I are huge Lana Del Rey fans, huge fans. And so I'm like, dude, Lana Del Rey's in the house. Okay. And I know she's friends with Nikki. And then we see like Josh Homie's there too. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm starting to put it all together. Well, we finish our show. We played earlier in the day and we're sitting out there and each band, you can see that each band had kind of come out to where the seats are and they're all kind of chilling and, having a cigarette or having a beer or whatever, enjoying the weather, nice Southern California weather. And I look down and basically two booths over is Lana Del Rey sitting by herself. No entourage, no one talking to her. She's just slowly drinking a beer, looking out at the empty field contemplatively. Not on the phone, not just Lana Del Rey. Isn't she supposed to be sober? I don't know. I don't. Maybe she was drinking like a non-alcoholic beer, but it looked like she was drinking a beer. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not here to break that story. But she wasn't really partying, and she wasn't. She was alone. And so, me and my bandmates are like, "This is really wild," you know, because there she is, just right there. And I was like, "Why don't you guys just go talk to her?" And everyone's like, "No, no." And I was like, "You know what the plan is? Here's the plan." And as I'm saying my plan, I'm like, I'm going to have to be the one to do this. Yeah, you're the only one that can do this. So I was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a fake phone call and walk. Because she she was like sitting by herself with like her legs up on the thing. I'm going to take the fake phone call to the edge of this little area. And she's going to have to like, you know, move her legs so I can get by. I'm going to do the fake phone call. And then I'm just going to go kind of sit near her like I'm checking my phone. And then just see if we can strike up a combo. So the you know of course my knucklehead guys are like dude no way and, and I was like look it's simple so I get the fake phone call and I've taken many I've taken hundreds and hundreds of fake phone calls you're the because, master of the fake phone call because you got to get out of some situations and you and I doing what we do are often in situations we got I don't get think out I've of. ever I don't think I've ever done a fake phone call but you are what? the master of the and never done it what never done it. Here's how I get out of uncomfortable you situations. You just walk away. Bye. Yeah, you just leave. You don't <laughs> bye even <bye>. say bye. <laughs> and then people hate me. Well, so anyway, I do it. I walk by her. She, she moves or whatever. We make eye contact and kind of smile. And I go and I really, and I, I told the boys this before I did it. I said the key to this whole plan is really milking that fake phone call. It can't be a short call. So, Oscar winning performance. I'm... And I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm having a 
cohesive one-way fake conversation about the load-in that day and the cross-low we had to do because there were the two stages, but they staggered the festivals, and our set time coincided with this. I'm just really shooting for the stars, dude. Shooting for that Oscar. Like, I'm talking about a five-minute fake phone call, which is an eternity when you're not really talking to anybody. Dude, how long did it take to build the fucking... Michelangelo's David. He didn't do it in an afternoon. <laughs> he probably did it in longer than it took me to do the fake phone call. But yeah, that's right. Things to, masterpieces take time. Yes. Thank you. So I land the phone call. Phase one, complete. And I'm starting to walk back towards my area. But there she is. So maybe like five seats down. I'm like, I'm like intensely looking at my phone. Like I'm trying to check stuff, right? Because I'm an artist and it's a show day, and you know, you know what our lives are yeah. like. You're crazy. You got Louis C.K. calling you. I got stuff going texting on. Texting you. So uh, she doesn't know who's texting you. She doesn't know who you are. Exactly. But you I could be of, anybody. You could be in fucking any band. And I kind of look like I'm somebody because yeah. I am in a band. You could be the fucking next big producer that that makes her career even better. So I sit down and I wait for that moment. Right. I'm I'm waiting for phase two to. To present itself to me. I'm a patient man. Yeah. Again, my Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel comes to mind. Dude, you plant the seed, you sow the seed, and then you have to wait for the sun to interact with the right. seed and the ground. And you, you wait know, for it to rest. grow. You yeah, to you wait. know, we know how it works. Eventually, you get a beautiful sunflower. Well, this particular moment. So we're sitting there, and then some, some dweeb in one of these other bands starts yakking her ear off and he's saying the dumbest shit oh so he's he just walks up to her no fake phone call and just starts fucking yabbing at her. yeah a drunk guy drunk idiot oh and i can hear how old saying. is this young young drunk probably idiot. 25 does it what's he look like i couldn't see him good looking i couldn't tell but a band guy so he's going on and on about some stupid crap it was the dumbest stuff and she i can hear in her voice she's doing the polite She's kind of laughing in his dumb stuff, but it's polite and she's really just trying to get him out of there. And I'm like, cool, man. I'll wait for this bozo to set me up so I can slam dunk a good convo sitch over here. And I was going to lead off with my classic. Right. Hey, so what's your deal? I was just asking someone what their deal is. Yeah. Because uh, I wasn't going to do the like, I'm going to pretend like I don't know who you are, but I was going to be like, so are you playing today or like, who are you hanging with? Because she knows Nikki Lane, who I also know. So I have all sorts of arrows in the quiver, dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, this guy starts talking forever. The sun starts going down. And at this point, I'm like 15 to 20 minutes committed to this project. And I start thinking, I don't want to sit here anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Because it was mostly I was just trying to impress my buddies by being brave or whatever. Right. And I realized I don't really care if I talk to Lana Del Rey. Right. Because what? Should we're going to become best friends? I don't think so. So I eventually just get up and walk right by her. Don't even look at her and go back to my dudes. And I was like, mission aborted, dude. I mean, you win some, you lose some, period. And that's the story. That's my Lana Del Rey story. It's not a blistering climax. Here's how I wanted that story to end. I'm now friends with somebody who's best friends with Lana Del Rey. And then I become best friends with Lana Del Rey because of your relationship with her. And also my wife becomes best friends with her. And now we're all best friends with Lana Del Rey. Guess what doesn't happen in your story? That. Again, John Lennon said it. Love is a garden. You got to let it grow. 
I've planted yeah. a long game seed. <laughs> you got way to grow. But what you did was after you planted the seed and sowed the seed, you then dug the seed up and took the seed with. No. And then now I am not going to be good friends with Lana Del Rey. So I didn't like the way it ended. No, it may seem like I took the seed with me when I got up that second time. You, The seed's still on the ground. Seed firmly planted because it's a long game. Because here's what's going to ha- Here's what's happening the rest of the year for Clint Boy. Shows and festivals and all sorts of cool crap. Guess what? She's going to be at some of them. You think? Yeah, of course. And so... So the seed is there. The seed you've is sowed, still there. You've sown the seed. And, and unless she right. listens to this podcast, okay. the seed has, has room to grow and be fruitful. And we will pluck that seed and we will eat, we will eat the fruit from it. Um, I, w- I have to tell you something about it in this. I can't do it here. I'll have to do it in the Secret Weekly. But um, No, no. I, I, I know exactly what you want to talk about. And I want to talk about it too in the Secret Weekly. And then there's another thing I want to talk about from the Rose Bowl. So. Well, let me, let me tell you about the thing because this is so funny. We know each other so well. Um, without even really saying it, I can just tell you this: the first thing. Oh, we both know what it is. We don't even need to say what it is. We don't need to say I'm what it is. We it, both I'm, know what it is. I'm not going to say what it is, but let me just say this: No, we know what it is. You don't even need to say what it. You don't even need to say this. You don't need to say it. We both know what it is. <laughs> just let we me say. We both this. know what it is. Just let me address it for one second. Don't without address saying it. What we it is. know what it is. No, check it out. Here we go. You ready? Uh, that situation, not great. <laughs> not great oh my god not great but you know not great which might have contributed to me being like, fuck all this. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to go back and hang out with my buddies. Um, oh. So anyway, the, the, the seed was planted and it will bear fruit and it'll be a good day. <sighs> who, who I've told this story too, about when we met the Lincoln park guys at kind of a festival type thing, but they, there's some miscommunication and yeah. Somebody said, Hey, they really want to meet you. And then we <laughs> went up there to talk to them and they're like, who are you? And we're like, what? Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh man. I was just back there with uh at the Moody with uh your buddy Jack Ingram and Matthew McConaughey and the who's the famous coach guy that does that thing with them? Mac Brown. And what is he? He's UT's coach? He was the big UT coach. They had a the kind of a UT football dynasty under his reign. I didn't get to meet him, but they all seem cool. Oh, you came to that show. I'm talking to you about it like you don't know, but you actually came out to that. I forget. I was there hanging out with you guys. That was fun. Fun evening. It was. I didn't I didn't see Jack the whole time. I mean, I saw him like on stage, but I never saw him backstage. So I never even could say hi to him back there. And I texted him. I was like, hey, I was at your thing. And he's like, oh, I wish I'd have seen you. But I never ran across him. They were doing a thing where he was basically like curating and hosting an after party in a different part of the hotel. And I think he was over there a lot of the evening because people were coming up and like singing songs and stuff. And it was cool. It was a cool vibe, like a VIP thing for people like that paid a bunch of money or something. Exactly. And then, and what it was, I mean, I only saw a little bit of it because 
what it was was like the artist, like Morgan, the artist I play with, was invited to go to it, and so it's this impromptu. Hey, get up and get up and pick a song or whatever. And Jack plays a few songs, and but then it turned into like rich doctor who paid a million dollars to be there. He gets up and plays a song, and that song not great, but because of the money, which is what makes the world go round. They're like, play another one, dude. Okay, this next song. I'm like, I got to get out of here. Because it was a deal where you go in this room, but because it's like a listening room vibe, you can't leave until in between songs. So they close the doors, and when a song's on, you're in there. Right. And so we walked in, and the guy I was with, the guy, this photographer, does photography stuff for Morgan, we had to kind of split up because the room was really packed. And this like doctor guy played a song that, I don't know, it seemingly lasted forever. It didn't have a chorus or anything. And so I'm like looking around to try to catch eyes on my guy because I'm like, as soon as this song is over, I'm out of here. Yeah, got to go. And you know, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. That guy gave a lot of money. He wrote a nice song. Writing songs isn't easy to do. It's fine. Look. But I didn't enjoy the song. So no. that's Here's not my the thing. fault. Here's the thing. Here's what you're not going to do. You're not going to go down to where he works slice open a patient pull out their gallbladder and then act like everything's cool (laughs) everything's cool right it's not (laughs) stay stay in your lane stay in your lane well thus concludeth another wonderful episode of i'm okay you're okay i'm not okay you're not okay we bring the real sauce every week it's not gluten-free no uh you cannot eat what we're serving if you have a peanut allergy we bring the old school real stuff but here even if you do have a peanut allergy if you listen to enough shows eventually you won't have a peanut allergy. exactly now, these this has not been scientifically proven please do not listen to a bunch of these podcasts and then go eat fucking a bunch of peanuts <laughs> and then die speaking of staying in our lane <laughs> yeah by the way that was a metaphor if you have a peanut allergy, this is not going to save you. And if you have a peanut allergy, what are you doing? What's going on? What happened? What's wrong? Show me on the doll. What happened to you? Yeah. All right. Look, we love you guys. We're going to keep it secretly now. Support us on Patreon. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you want to get on the Patreon train, it's patreon.com slash IOK. Just the letters. Write us an email, bobandclint at gmail.com. We'll read it on the show. All right. We got, some real sh- we got some real shit to talk about on the Secret Weekly right now. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs>